The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Father God in heaven, we praise your holy name. It is with great joy and honor that we participate as a church family and friends and loved ones in the baptism of these. Everyone has a unique walk and their own different journeys have brought them to this point where they uh, celebrate today the change that has gone, in, gone on in their heart upon placing their faith in your son Jesus for the only payment for the forgiveness of their sins. And Lord, as we say, when we baptize, buried with Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life, may they walk in the days of head, ahead in the newness of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To God be all the glory. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. David Granger. Congratulations, brother. What a special day for you. you. I know you're proud. Uh, let's uh, see. I was nice. Did y'all see that? Yeah. You know, I know why? I know what Look, you're doing. You know what this says? Love your enemies. I'm practicing that right now. He criticized. No, I know what that was. That they was def- all know. That was they deflection because you didn't want to cry through all those songs. I know what was going on there. Love you, brother. Hey, let me read Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 18, with the exception we're setting apart verses 7 through 15 for another message. So here's what, remember what we're reading is Jesus gathers his disciples around his feet and he's teaching them what it means to be a disciple. And a lot of it, most of it is in contrast to what he's seeing in the culture around him. So here's what he says. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Down in verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Father, would you help us this morning? We need the Spirit of God to apply your word to our hearts, that we would have changed hearts that would conform us into your image, giving us faith to obey what you teach us. For your glory, it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, so in this text, we we see a very straightforward warning, and then he gives us three illustrations that kind of flesh out what he's talking about. So first, let's look at the warning. It comes in verse 1. He says, beware. So that's like yellow flashing lights. Beware, warning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And that's the main point of the text. Jesus has his disciples gathered at his feet, and he's saying, listen, this is what it means to be my disciple. 
And as he teaches them, he says, listen, one of the main things that you need to know is we don't do what you see all these people doing. We don't walk around practicing our righteousness for all of you to look at us and think all these things about us. That's not how my disciples live. And so he's really coming in a stark contrast to what the, the scribes and Pharisees were doing in their day. So what he's getting at here is he's saying, listen, I want you to be authentic. I want you to be authentic when you practice your righteousness. And that's what he's going to flesh out for us. But first of all, let's notice something. We've got to practice righteousness. He's been hitting really hard on the Sermon on the Mount about inward righteousness is what really matters in contrast to those who have been looking at God's law and saying, let me define that in such a way that I can measure up, that I can be the judge of my own life, that I can judge myself as righteous, I can declare myself as meeting God's standard so I don't have to answer to some judge. But then as soon as we do that, as soon as we declare ourselves righteous, not needing God, we put ourselves as judge and we we exalt ourselves to God's place and then it's human nature if we're judging ourselves to then look at others and start to judge them, to start to judge whether they are righteous or not. And if that's our world, if we think that coming to church is all about appearing righteous before maybe it's the preacher's eyes or maybe it's your friend's eyes, then that's what we start performing our religion is to impress others, to say, look how righteous I am. See, I really am righteous. So we see this kind of cycle of declaring ourselves righteous and then doing behavior, religion, in order to kind of back up. See, I really am righteous. And Jesus says, no, that's not it at all. You don't perform, you don't practice your righteousness for others. But he assumes in this warning, he assumes that we're practicing righteousness. And we know what the word practice means. We live in a sports culture. Practice means that you're making sacrifices. You are making something a priority. It's coming at a great cost to you. You set the alarm earlier to get up and work out so that you can get more physically fit. So your performance will go better when you're on the field. You will change the way you eat. You will, you will sacrifice fun activities so that you'll go to practice. He says, Jesus in this warning presumes that you and I are practicing righteousness. Sinclair Ferguson points out this means that Jesus' disciples must be intentional. And he's going to pick up on the three illustrations that Jesus mentions. Jesus mentions giving, praying, and fasting. So Sinclair says this means that we have to be intentional to practice self-sacrifice in order to give. We have to be intentional to practice self-discipline for prayer. And we have to be intentional to practice self-denial for fasting. Sinclair Ferguson goes on and says, Jesus assumes that our lives will be well-regulated, properly structured, and that we will show an increasing mastery of our own desires. Jesus does not assume that those things will come naturally. Rather, he sees them as quite deliberate activities in the life of his disciples. 
And so he's picking up on the point. He's resisting or reacting to the idea that Jesus is all about the inner spiritual man. And he's really not that worried about discipline and, and, and sacrifice. He just wants you to just be spiritual. And, and, and Jesus says, when you practice your righteousness, much like you see these people who are giving alms and they're praying and they're fasting, he's not saying we don't do that as my disciples. He says the reason we do it is drastically different and the reward, therefore, is drastically different. So he's affirming the practices of righteousness. And then he illustrates with three, giving of alms, Praying and fasting. So it's not, the thing that makes us uniquely different as Jesus' disciples is not necessarily so much, so much what we do, but it's the why we do it. And that's what's so hard. I mean, people come to church, the, this city is filled with people sitting in chairs just like you in buildings called churches, and yet it can be drastically different because of the why. Why? So Jesus says, let's make sure that we are doing this for the right reasons. And so he says, beware of doing it in order to be seen by others. In other words, he's saying, my disciples aren't hypocrites. We've all heard people say, that church is full of hypocrites. And sadly, it's true. Too often it's true. Now, what we can say to them is, yes, come help us not be so hypocritical. And yes, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God, and we're trying not to be hypocrites. So we have an answer, but let's own up to it. The church is filled with a lot of hypocrites. And Jesus says, my disciples shouldn't be hypocrites. Now, what is a hypocrite? That comes from Greek theater, a word for the Greek drama where they put on a mask and played a part, and then when they wanted to play another part, they would take off that mask, and they put on another mask. And so they were pretending to be someone completely other than who they really were. And so Jesus, in these verses, says, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. Don't do like the hypocrites. Don't give like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the hypocrites, and don't fast like hypocrites. And so he's calling us to a radically different personhood and authenticity about us that is not doing our giving and our praying and our fastings before the eyes of others, but doing it for God and God alone. And then he goes through illustrations. First, giving. Flesh this out a little bit. Verse 2, he says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. Anyone ever heard your parents say, hey, don't toot your own horn? Anyone ever heard that? No? Raise your hand if you've heard, don't toot your own horn. Okay, I was like, did my mom the only one that said that? I mean, me and Joe are the only ones going, yeah, y'all are like, uh-uh. Okay, don't toot your own horn. I think that's where it came from. I like it when I learn these things. So, don't toot your own horn. What were they doing? Apparently, when it came time for them to give alms or give to the poor, give to the needy, they would sound a trumpet and have a big parade. Now, the religious reason for doing this was to call the poor and needy in because they are so sincere to help them. They want to make sure everyone who needs hears the trumpets and comes when Jesus says, you hypocrites, 
You're sounding the trumpets just because you want everybody to see you and praise you and talk about how generous and how spiritual you are. So he says to his disciples, he says to those of us who say we are disciples of Jesus, don't do like those hypocrites. Don't sound the trumpets in the street so that you may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And that have received is literally the phrase paid in full. They got all they're going to get. You give them so that people say, wow, you're so generous. Well, that is all that's going to do for you. It's paid in full. You got your reward. He says, but my disciples, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So in each one of the examples, we're going to look at the reason and the reward. And we're going to compare the hypocrite to the authentic. The hypocrite's reason is that he may be praised by man. The authentic disciple's reason is that he gives because he loves and has mercy for the person in need. Because God has changed their heart. The all-wise, all-forgiving, all-merciful God has changed his or her heart, so that when they see a person in need, they have mercy and they love them and they give. But what is the reward? The reward for the hypocrite is paid in full when someone says, wow, you're so generous. And what does that do? All that does is only increase the insatiable desire to be praised by man. It enslaves you further for people to say how wonderful you are and it will never satisfy. So there is no reward in that. But the person who has love and mercy and gives out of love and mercy receives the joy and the blessing associated with meeting a person's need. As Jesus says, it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. There is an inherent blessing and joy in meeting someone's need and, and being the one that God used to provide for them at that moment of need. God blesses us in that. C.S. Lewis talks about these blessings and he says, it, it's not wrong to seek these blessings when we understand that the proper blessing is the reward. For instance, he says it's wrong and it's a weird concept to think that, that uh, a trophy is the award for loving someone when he says, no, that doesn't make sense, but marriage is the reward for loving someone or getting a scholarship for college is the reward for diligent studying. When the reward is the consummation of effort, the reward makes complete sense. And so when we give out of love and mercy, the reward of blessing and the joy of meeting someone's need is the natural reward that God has provided for all of us. But there's also this idea in scriptures of an eternal reward. And we wonder, what is that? Well, anytime you see the rewards in scriptures, you need to understand first and foremost, as you wrestle with it, that God is the great reward. So in this idea of what is somehow giving and sacrificing of self in order to bring joy and blessing and provide for others enhances 
your enjoyment of God now and forevermore. So there's great reward. Spurgeon said, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is the posture of hypocrisy. That's a great quote. To stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is the posture of hypocrisy. John Stott had many great things to say. He said, a Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice, self-forgetfulness, not self-congratulations. He went on to say, the new life of Christ is one of uncalculating generosity. That's not always easy to do, is it? Uncalculating generosity. Not generosity that calculates whether this is going to be worth it or whether I'm going to get praise. Uncalculating generosity. We, sh- we must not turn an act of mercy into an act of vanity. Stock concludes, to sum up, our Christian giving is to be neither before men waiting for the clapping to begin, nor even before ourselves, our left hand applauding our right hand's generosity, but before God, who sees our secret heart and rewards us with the discovery that, as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Are we giving with authentic motives. Next illustration is praying in verse 5. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Oh, God bless your holy name. We praise you. What are they doing? They really are trying to bring praise to themselves. They're not trying to bring praise to God. And that is the height of hypocrisy. It's very convicting, isn't it, that it's easier to pray in public than it is in private. They stand in the street corners that they may be seen by others, but he says, truly I say to you as my disciples, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the reason and the reward, the reason the hypocrite prays is that they would be praised themselves. The reason an authentic disciple prays is that they may meet face to face with God Almighty. To be in the presence of God. The reward for those who are hypocrites, is the temporary, unsatisfying praise of man. The reward for those authentic disciples who go to their secret place and meet with God in prayer have abundant reward. They receive the assurance of the reminder that the Holy Father loves and accepts me based on Jesus Christ. 
They receive peace that passes understandings in turbulent circumstances and trials and tribulations. They receive refreshment and renewal and, and revival of their soul. They receive satisfaction of spiritual hunger and thirst that nothing else can satisfy. They receive the joy of the reminder that the gospel brings of forgiveness and right standing because of grace in Jesus Christ. The rewards go on and on when we meet face to face with the Lord in our private time of prayer. Finally, he says that fasting, his disciples will be much different. He says, and when you fast, because I know you're fasting. Right? Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their reward in full. If you have ever fasted, you know the temptation. It's like, look, if I am hurting this bad, I just want someone to give me some credit. Wow, you fasted? How long? How was it? How terrible? I know. I am so spiritual. Have you ever fasted? The temptation is there. Now, what is he saying? Is he saying we can never tell anyone when I came off the sabbatical and people knew? They were like, well, how did it go? And I'm like, am I supposed to talk about this? The problem is not sharing with people what the Lord has done during a time of prayer and fasting. The problem is when you are fasting for their approval or their praise. Jesus says, but when you fast, anoint your head. In other words, they were going around making it so obvious that they've been fasting, putting on ashes to make themselves look pale so it'd be clear that they were in a time of fasting and they were making a big show of it so people would just reward them with the praise of man. But Jesus says, listen, when you fast, don't make a big show of it. Take your shower, do your hair, just do your best. Doesn't mean you can't talk about it with your community group, but the point is, who are you doing this for? As a church, we're going to vote next week at the members' meeting to enter into a time of prayer and fasting as a church for a specific occasion, asking the Lord to provide the resources we need to expand our facilities because God is blessing us and we just need more facilities to keep proclaiming his gospel. And so we're going to ask God over a season, and we're going to fast. And it's okay to go into community group because we do it through community groups. It's okay to share and talk about it. But the point is we're not doing this to show off. We're not doing this to get praise. We're doing this to humble ourselves. That's the reason that authentic disciples fast. It's humbling ourselves before God. It's humbling ourselves to seeking God. There's many occasions we might humble ourselves seeking God in repentance of sin. We might humble ourselves before God and seek Him for dependence in situations like we need you, Lord. We need your help. Or we might seek Him for specific guidance as I did during the sabbatical, asking God, Lord, give us direction, Lord. Make it clear the way that we should go. Renew our vision, O Lord. And he has answered those prayers. 
We pray and we fast to humble ourselves to seek specific blessing for specific needs or unique help for specific occasions. We may fast to gain self-control. Perhaps we've given ourselves over to gluttonous behavior and we say, I need to fast to to seek deliverance. I need to to repent of gluttony and I need to get self-control. We may fast in order to have more resources to give to those in need. There are all types of reasons or occasions to fast, but all of them are an act of humbling ourselves and seeking the Lord. Not an occasion to draw praise to ourselves. For that is your only reward. But the reward for those who fast with authentic, humble hunger and thirst for the Lord. The reward is power and presence with God. The reward is knowing He hears and is going to respond, knowing he is faithful and he will act. That is the great reward. Stott summarizes it this way, Pharisaic piety is ostentatious. It's motivated by vanity and it's rewarded by men. Pharisaic piety is ostentatious, it's motivated by vanity and rewarded by men. But Christian piety is secret, it's motivated by humility, and is rewarded by God. I hesitate to say this, I said it in the first service, and I think it brings glory to God. But I praise God that this church is extraordinarily authentic. I don't see a bunch of pretentious, obnoxious, showy religion going on here. I give God all the glory for that. But I hear it every time we have a member's connection group. And we ask them and they talk and we start to hear. And session after session, we hear that phrase... The moment I came in here, there was just something different. And I think that's the Spirit of God has produced an authenticity. Because we know we're not here showing off. We're here desperately seeking the Lord. And it's powerful. No wonder Jesus said that. So practice your righteousness for the audience of one. God, and you will receive the great reward of more God. The joys and the blessings of truly helping others, the peace and the satisfaction of being in the presence of God through prayer, and the strengthening and empowerment from being intently and focused and dependent on the Lord through fasting. God is watching, and God meets us in the secret places when we give and we pray, and we fast in secret. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you and give you all the glory for this awesome day to be in the house of the Lord. This awesome day where you give us a unique, 
visible picture of the spiritual work that you are doing in people's lives day in and day out. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song about your grace, I pray that you will be glorified. Lord, I pray that we will make much of you in this church, that we will not be here to make much of ourselves. Lord, I thank you for the authenticity that you have created that is countercultural here. And we give you the glory because we know that only comes from your work in our hearts. We give you the glory because we know that if we were left to our own sinful ways, that we would all be performing so that others would think highly of us. But God, because of your grace, you are drawing people to yourself as we make much of you. In the days ahead, as we enter into a time of prayer and fasting, may we as a church corporately humble ourselves in great dependence upon you for the days ahead. And may you bring great glory and honor to your own name. Through Jesus Christ, I pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.